I could never live my life that way, handcuffed to fear. Um, haven't even shared this with my friend who said those words, and she'll probably hear this. I know she listens to the podcast, but those words made an impact on me in a good way, I think. Maybe you are living life the same way and you need to hear this too. So stick around. I'm about to explain how one sentence helped me step outside my comfort zone instead of living, quote, handcuffed to fear. Radio personality, Deborah Honeycutt, revealing stories from the red carpet to parenthood, all on three hours of sleep. Doctors recommend eight hours of sleep nightly for proper brain function. Anything less could cause malfunction. Here's your host, Deborah Honeycutt. So glad you're here. Deborah Honeycutt on three hours of sleep. And it was a few years ago. A few could mean four. It could mean five. I can't really remember. Time starts to warp after a while. Remember, I get by on about three hours of sleep some days. Point being, this wasn't recent. And I was at a friend's bonfire in the backyard. It was summer. And we were talking about vacations. And I mentioned that I don't like to fly. A lot of people who know me well know that I don't like to fly. I've been pretty terrified of it. And I do have to fly um, a couple of times a year for work. Not my favorite thing to do, but I do it with my co-hosts. And so I'm not alone. I, I get through it. So I really didn't used to be this way until 9-11 happened. And then all of a sudden it was just like, I was so worried about safety. And then I was a, I was a mother at that time, a new mother. That kind of changed my perspective on making sure I come home. Uh, we're talking about vacations. And of course I mentioned at this bonfire um, that I have a fear of flying. I have a few fears, but this is the biggest one. And at which my friend replied, I couldn't live my life that way, handcuffed to fear. And she didn't mean it to put me down. It wasn't taken as an insult. I knew she didn't want to make me feel bad. I actually asked myself, is that what I'm doing? Am I handcuffed to fear? And when it comes to flying, she was right. You know, it's not that I don't like those biscuits that they hand out. I call them biscuits. It sounds so hillbilly, but are they called biscotti? I don't even remember what they're called. Biscoff? They're, if you've never heard of them, they're like a glorified graham cracker, but they're not so good that I'm booking plane tickets good. They're not that good. So we typically drive on our vacations and I'm so afraid to fly that I've held strangers' hands on planes before. It, it's just not a comfortable experience for me. If you travel for work and you have to fly on a regular basis, I'm in awe. I don't know how you do it. I have a couple of friends and, and they do that. They're gone more than they're home. I don't know how you do it. I'm just always amazed when I see people reading during takeoff. They're actually relaxed. Some are sleeping before the plane even leaves the runway. Blows my mind. And then there's me, and I've got this whole ritual that I go through. I've got the shade pulled shut. You know, nothing to see here. My head is down. I'm not listening to music like most people. I'm, I'm usually repeating a prayer to myself over and over, and I always have two fingers on my left hand crossed because, you know, Crossing your fingers for good luck will certainly prevent engine failure. I do this all the time. And once I'm in the air, I'm better. I wouldn't say I'm good. I'm better. And then if we have turbulence, the whole process starts all over again. I don't do turbulence very well. So that night, I started thinking when I drove home, well, maybe my friend was onto something. Maybe I was handcuffed to fear just a little bit. You know, they say we should lean in to our fears. That's easier said than done because if we could do that, we wouldn't have the fear to begin with. I wouldn't have this problem. So fast forward a few months later, the morning show had received an invitation to be a part of Luke Bryan's album launch in New York City. Very cool opportunity. Who wouldn't want to go to that, right? You know, we were we were asked to go and, and promote his outdoor concert in New York City at the Today Show. 
And I had never been to one of those. You know, you always see people on TV and they go with their group. They all wear their matching shirts, hold up signs. You also see those televised concerts where people obnoxiously wave in the background because they're hoping to get on camera. Don't they drive you crazy? It's like, we get it. You know, you called your mom, you told her you'll wave ferociously uh, because you're on freaking TV. We get it. Well, the problem is that ended up being me attending the Luke Bryan show in New York City. Seriously, I'll get to that later. My co-host Jim and Kevin turned out they both had conflicts. And so they had to decline this invitation. And since I don't fly unless I have to for work, I mean, it has to be mandatory. And I certainly don't fly alone. I was fine with declining too. I said, well, then just none of us can go. But then I remembered those words, handcuffed to fear. And as much as I was fearful, I'm also competitive. And there was something about those words that I didn't like. I didn't like that I was allowing myself to live within these perimeters. And so I impulsively decided and actually surprised myself, but I impulsively decided that I was going. I wasn't going solo. Got to do this in baby steps. And so I um, enlisted my dear friend, Jan, who at the time she worked as our marketing director at WFMS. She's since moved on, but we still keep in touch. And I asked her to make this trip with me and she was excited about it. I figured we could make it a, a, a work trip, but turn it into a girl's trip at the same time and see the sites while we were there. There was just one problem. And that problem was I'm afraid to fly and Jan is afraid of taxi cabs. And we all know that they have an unlimited number of taxi cabs in New York City. Not just taxi cabs, but more specifically, reckless driving in a New York City taxi cab. And I couldn't guarantee her that that wasn't going to happen because that's pretty much the norm. So she warned me of this and, and told me about it. But I looked at it as, look, you're not afraid to fly. You can be my go-to on the plane. I got you in the taxi cab. You know, we got this together because that won't really bother me because, hey, I kind of drive the same way. The whole thing set up, I didn't see any flaws in the plan. I mean, I, of course, I was nervous, but that's to be expected, right? I have this huge fear. But to throw a hiccup into the mix, it was also going to be my kid's first day of school. Now, I'm big on traditions, and so I don't like to miss traditions. So I booked the flight so that I was here on the first day of school. I mean, that's such a big tradition for me. I usually take the day off work. I wasn't going to miss. Got them on the bus. I was already packed. The bus was just turning, you know, moving out of my, my vision. And I'm in my car backing out of the driveway to head to the very scary airport, in my opinion. A recap, I'm afraid to fly. My friend Jan, she's afraid of New York City taxi cab driving. <laughs> it's an interesting fear. I thought my fear was bad. So we get there, I get on the plane, and I do my thing. You know, I have my head down, shade goes down, not listening to music, repeating my prayer, two fingers on my left hand are crossed, and I'm totally bracing myself for this, this takeoff. And we get into the air, and there's not any major turbulence. And, and I, you know, we do the thing. I got through it, and I was fine. So we land and I feel like, okay, you know, I, I held up my end of the bargain. Now it's Jan's turn. And I could see the panic start to come over her just as we step out onto the sidewalk from the airport in New York City. So I, you know, hail the cab and instantly it's way too fast, no signaling when he's changing lanes. And I could just see her. I mean, we buckled up in the back seat, but she's doing some deep breathing. She's really trying to talk herself through this. And I'm telling her it's going to be okay. We've got this in my mind, not guaranteed that we're going to make it safely, but you know, I was really hoping for the best. And I knew what she was going through. I knew what she was feeling because that's how I feel on the plane. Sick at my stomach instantly. You can feel your heart palpitations. It's not comfortable. If you ever get anxious, you know what I'm talking about. And the next morning we had to get up at this 
very early hour to get to the Today Show. If you've never done one of those televised shows, you know, you show up super early, you give them everything but a urine sample just to get through security. And then there's a lot of waiting. And, and so here I have that opinion about people who are you know, usually obnoxious and waving in the background on camera. And then I turn into one of those. You know, Jan and I were so excited. I wanted Jim and Kevin to see us and our listeners. And so I, I had the WFMS signs and we were waving like two girls who just got into a nightclub using their fake ID for the first time. I'm a big news junkie. So I'm trying to snap photos of the crew. You know, Matt Lauer's over there in the corner. I'm gonna have to admit, I wasn't impressed with Matt Lauer. He didn't, he glared at me. But Savannah Guthrie smiled. And then, of course, I love crime documentaries. And Lester Holt often hosts those. And so I saw my buddy Lester. And uh, he did smile. He was very kind. Posed for a photo. You have to experience it at least once. You know, Lester smiling at me because I am such a fan uh, made the stress of the whole trip completely worth it. So I felt like that little baby step that I, you know, I call it leaning in. But that little bit of leaning in helped me in my progress to be able to fly. And I know if you do this on a regular basis, it's a no-brainer for you. It's probably like washing your hands, but it's not for me. So then there comes a time where we are offered to do a second trip to New York City for Luke Bryan and his album launch. And on this trip, Kevin was unable to go. He had promised his wife that he would take her backstage to meet Tim McGraw. It was their anniversary. It was a win-win for Kevin. You don't miss that. You don't all of a sudden cancel and be like, I'm going to go hang with Luke. Sorry about your luck. So he kept his, his word and that's the way Kevin is. So now it's down to two. It's Jim and I going, but you know, I'm still feeling good about it because Jim's flown with me before and he knows that I'll panic and, and I know that I, I have a go-to. I get through it. I wouldn't say it was comfortable, but I get through it. Now, this is where the bad luck when it comes to Luke Bryan starts to um, move into place. We get checked into our hotel. We do the big group dinner like always. And the next day was the big interview. And we were supposed to interview Luke Bryan. And he also had brought along uh, Brothers Osborne. Very talented. And we had this wonderful interview. You know, we're taping the interview to, you know, kind of a behind the scenes thing to air back on the radio the following morning. I always like to put a bowl of mints on the table. They're those lifesaver wintergreen mints. So I had those sitting there, but the whole time I remember thinking our interview would not sound good because Luke was taking his hand and stirring his fingers through the mints. It definitely was not a pandemic year. There was no social distancing because he was groping all of the mints. And when you do that, of course, we were I was hearing in my headphones the noise from the cellophane wrappers. I'm thinking this interview is not going to work. It's going to be terrible because I'm going to hear the wrestling of the cellophane wrappers over his audio. We went to listen back to it. We had done this entire interview. Luke was great, very personable as always, and it didn't record. You know, we're down there eating dinner, letting the record label, you know, cover the tab as, as protocol, seeing the sights, and we didn't get the interview. Now I'm going to blame Jim on this one because <laughs> that's easy to do and he's not here. It, actually, it was both of our faults. We um, we thought we had everything set up, but we had nothing, nothing to send back for the following morning. Nothing. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, I nearly peed myself on the plane to get here, and then we didn't even get the audio. Now, that evening, we were invited to go to a show that Luke was going to be performing at a private venue, and we, you know, it was Jim and myself. They'd take you over on a shuttle bus you kind of dress like you're going out to a club a little bit. So you're, you're not wearing your walking shoes for sure. So I go to mingle. Jim likes to stick in one place. I kind of mingle around when I realized I didn't bring my purse. 
did not bring my purse. You know, going to need my ID. I don't like not having it. I'm in a town that I don't live, but I walked out without it. I know. I know. Have you ever done that? And I tell Jim, I'm going back. I wanted my purse. It's a walkable distance. I mean, it was going to be, it was going to be 20, 25 minute walkable distance, but I said, I've got to go get it. And he said, well, you're not going by yourself. And, and I said, well, I'm not going to take a cab. And he said, let's just go. Keep in mind, we didn't have any walking shoes. Now I was fine. Jim, not so much. <laughs> this is several miles. We get back. I walk in and there it is. My, my little wristlets laying right there on the bed. We didn't get the audio in the interview. That happens in the media. But then I didn't see the concert. I think I saw two or three songs and that feeling of uncertainty was going to drive me crazy. So we're, we're trying to figure out what are we promoting tomorrow morning when we talk about this because we've got nothing. Now, the person that was kind of in charge from the label of having everybody get together sent a message in this big group thread and it said, hey, we're all meeting. It was a bar or a restaurant and it was literally across the street from the hotel where we were staying. And I thought, well, let's just go there. You know, let's rectify the situation. I'll get some stories from other people. We're going to make this work. We're going to fix this. And so we get over there after two glasses of wine. You know, that's my limit. And I said, listen, I'm going to head back. It's kind of getting late. And I said goodbye to all the other fellow broadcasters that we see from time to time on these trips. And I took off. Well, I get back to my room. I can't find my key. And so I thought, no big deal. Go back down, get another key. Problem solved. Go to bed get a good night's rest. I come back up to my room and it wasn't accepting my key. I don't know if he didn't activate it at the front desk. I don't know if I put it up next to my cell phone. And of course, my two glasses of wine kick in. And now I'm like emotional going, what the heck? I'm feeling all of this. I'm feeling stressed. I'm feeling a little bit emotional. I'm mad at myself. I'm a problem solver. I want to fix this. So I thought, okay, no big deal. I'm going to call Jim because surely he's heading up to his room soon. And I go and I get my cell phone and he had just answered and my phone goes dead. I got so angry slash emotional that I sat in my hallway in front of my door and had tears going down my face. I thought I didn't get the interview. I missed the concert. I can't get into my room. My co-host answers the only person I really know well here in New York City and my phone dies. You know, hot mess does not describe it. And so I did like this ugly cry. I went back down to the desk. I got a new key. I came back up. I plugged in my phone. I called and explained what happened. He wasn't surprised. And that was our material for the following morning. Real life, because that's the best part. So I've had some bad luck when it comes to Luke Bryan. Anyway, I got to that story all based on the fact that I had to fly to get there. And I finally faced what's been a big fear of mine for, I don't know, the last 20 years. And I know I'm not the only one with the fear. We all have something that we are afraid of. Now, I'm not going to say I'm comfortable with flying. I'll never say that. So for me, it was flying. What is your fear? Could be anything. And I was able to get through it. And I think it's going to get easier each and every time I try. And that one statement made all the difference. I remember how she said it and how she looked at me. And it was almost like she felt bad for me that I live my life limited. And because she said what she did, I've stepped outside my comfort zone. That's definitely progress. Hey, if you want two free chapters of the book that I'm writing, you can grab those for free. It sends you um, a quick download. Just go to Deborah Honeycutt Media on Instagram. You'll get those two free chapters. Happy to share those with you. Also next week, you don't want to miss this episode. Everybody has a quirk, a weirdness about them. My friend is going to join me. He does not drink milk on the road. You know, he travels, he flies quite a bit, but he doesn't drink milk. 
Wait till you find out why. In the name of the podcast again, Deborah Honeycutt on three hours of sleep. Hope you have a great day.